Hi there, welcome to this Happy Startup webinar and podcast where we talk to founders and change makers from across the world who inspire us and hopefully will inspire you. Today I'm joined by Arthur Woods. He is the co-founder of a company called Imperative. Their mission is to bring more purpose into business and help employees and people find more purpose in their lives so that they can fulfill themselves and fulfill the, or basically make be the change they want to be in the world. Uh, I'm really grateful to be able to talk to Arthur today as well because he's kind of a celebrity now. I feel a bit intimidated. He was voted. <laughs> Not true. Not he true. was by Forbes. Say so he is one of the 30 under 30 social entrepreneurs in the world. Yeah. So I'm going to have to big you up that way. Um, and another thing Arthur's doing for us, which is really nice of him, is like he's on Twitter at the moment, though he should be present and mindful about what he's doing, but he is on Twitter as well. Uh, if you are interested in doing the imperative test, um, tweet him on Arthur, Arthur Woods. Is that correct, Arthur? Yep, yep, yep. If you tweet him, he'll need your e you'll need an email address, won't you? That's right, that's right. Tweet, tweet at me and I will, I will be inviting you to take our purpose profile at Imperative. And then maybe if, you know, Again, I, I ask you to be present, but if you feel like doing that while you're listening to us, it'd be great to hear from you guys what kind of profile you came up with you. So, uh, without further delay, welcome, Arthur. <laughs> Thank you very much for joining us today. Um, yeah, how are you doing? Where are you? Good, Carlos. I'm in, I'm in Miami right now. I saw someone just, uh, I think Mike is in Florida, Florida, USA. So we have a, we have a couple Floridians here. Uh, I am, I'm in Miami. Cool. 74 degrees outside. Oh, oh, that was, uh, see, that doesn't mean anything to me because I'm in the UK. So that's, oh, I know, I know. It's perpetually cold there. <laughs> it's freezing today. <laughs> Just say it's warm. Yeah. And is it sunny? Yeah, it, it, it is. It is. Yeah. Yeah. All right. A lot better. We'll survive. <laughs> and how's your day been? Things are good. Yeah. I've, I've been looking forward to this. This is, this is the highlight of the day. So. <laughs> <laughs> I feel the pressure now. I've got to live up to, to this expectation and also to everyone else watching this. Yeah, yeah. Okay. So what I thought I'd do, I've got a few questions here that I put together. Uh, hopefully they're going to help spur some discussion and maybe inspire some people to ask some questions. I do encourage you to ask questions, post any questions. Try and use the Q&A facility because if you put it in the chat, it'll get all lost with all the, with all the other discussions and it'll be hard for me to track. Uh, and then uh, what we'd like to do is then try and, if you'd like, uh, I might even ask you to come onto the call, as long as you're clothed and decent, uh, yeah. and ask the question in person, which would be quite nice. Yeah, that sounds great. So, um, so yeah, I think uh, this is just a starter for 10, nice and easy one. Is like, um, what did you want to be when you were eight years old? When I was eight, I love that question. When I was eight years old, uh, I, I wanted to, uh, be a firefighter. <laughs> it's wow. funny. It's funny because my earliest memories, I wanted to be a fire truck. And then, <laughs> and then when I was old enough to, to learn that you can't be a fire truck, that was, Oh, I guess I'll be a fireman, a uh, firefighter. So that was, that was the early, the early, uh, early, earliest, earlier memory. And and how come you haven't fulfilled that potential? I you know I I, I don't think I'm cool enough. That's the, that's the biggest issue. <laughs> I think or, you're yeah. damn brave as well. Yeah, yeah. I, now now when you see what firemen do, it's you know I think it's it's uh, it's heroic, and I I'm, I'm not that heroic. So <laughs> <laughs> yeah, in heroic in a very different way, considering what you you you've achieved. Every, every, everyone's heroic in their own way, right? So and um. So, so to start off with, let's let's uh, step a bit further be, uh, after eight years old. Yeah. Um, yeah. So, what what were you doing before you started at Imperative? Um, give us a sort of brief potted history of Arthur Woods. Yeah. So, so first of all, I had I had a mother um, who was an artist and taught me at a young age that um, first of all, at work, when we show up to work, uh, work is a work of art. Um, it's an expression of who we are. So I had a very poetic and uh, creative perspective of, of, of vocations, right, at a young age and um, played, you know, multiple instruments. And, and my mom en enrolled me in things like tap dancing, you know, looking back, uh, you wonder sometimes. But, uh, but that I, I was, so I was brought up to, to really, uh, you know, value creative expression. And um, and because I, I wasn't very traditional in the way that I approached academia, I noticed that um, 
I, I any environment that was overly structured, I my immediate uh, inclination was to rebel. So I, I always wanted to sort of break the mold, don't conform. And so at a young age, I, I had a chance to sort of start my first organization um, and, and, and try out entrepreneurship. And boy, if I, if I had only had this, the happy startup school back then, you know, this strong community of, of uh, like-minded social entrepreneurs. Um, I, so, so at a young age, I, I, I got to see what it was like to sort of build an idea and then bring it to life and how magical that is and how you just can't replace that seeing your, your idea become reality. Um, so when I got to college, I stayed with that mindset. And part of it was I, I was with peers who were flocking to a very small set of opportunities. It was you either, it was almost like the sorting hat in a uh, Harry Potter, except it's like two schools. The sorting hat either sends you to management consulting or to investment banking. <laughs> so, and I was like, I don't, I don't want to do either of those things. What, what am I supposed to do? And, and we were really taught um, in university that th those are sort of the conventional ways that you are successful when you graduate. Um, and so my, my inclination was, well, you know, let me start, I'll start a company. I'll just make my own rules. You know, entrepreneurship was always about making your own rules. Um, and, you know, in, in, in experiencing entrepreneurship also, I, I think I really saw firsthand that work was not a means to an end. Work was the end itself. Um, so it, it wasn't until I then sort of experienced the corporate world, the traditional corporate worlds, quote unquote, that I saw that the, the average person in a corporation doesn't have that connection to their work that's as poetic and artistic as an entrepreneur does. And I was, I felt, I felt uh, like I was missing purpose. And so to me, like bringing these worlds together was how do we awaken people in their day jobs when they don't get the opportunity to be entrepreneurs? Um, how is it, is, is, is purpose just reserved for social entrepreneurs or is it something that everyone can have? And I think that's really, it, you know, I, I was led to the conclusion that everyone can have it, but we have to create the systems and, and structures that enable it. Fantastic. So this was really, um, it was there from an early start, this, this appreciation of, of work isn't just a way to make money and to pay the bills. That's right. Yeah. Yeah. And it's ironic that now, you know, of course, the, the way that we grow a business is, you know, of course, through um, making money and, and, and sustaining ourselves. But it's absolutely, I think it's shifting that, that transaction to be uh, much more holistic. And, um, and so many people in the workforce today don't actually believe that purpose is possible at work. And to me, that's a travesty because we spend, you know, we spend the majority of our waking lives in our, in our day jobs. I hear, is it, is it 80% of, of people in the workforce are disengaged from their jobs? Yeah, you know, these, these stats uh, always sort of circle around. Uh, Gallup estimates that 70% of the workforce is disengaged. We've done studies that show basically two in three people does not feel fulfilled at work today, two wow. in three. So I just, you know, you look at a city, you know, two out of three people you see uh, are not fulfilled and they're not at their best where they spend the majority of their lives. You know, to me, the question really becomes if, if everyone felt fulfilled in what they do every day, um, what would that mean for the way people treat each other, the way people treat society that you start to see this kind of theory of change bubble up about what it really means to intercept people in the workplace around purpose. And so by, it sounds by being able to pursue something that's more meaningful in your work, then that leaks out into how you behave in, in the rest of your life. Yeah, that, that's right. You know, we really believe that, that, um, you know, the, you know, the, the World Economic Forum estimates that in, in the next 50 years, the entire middle section of our workforce will, will disappear. Um, and you wonder sort of what does it look like in a workplace where people are not only unfulfilled, but they're underemployed. Um, so we, you know, we, we really think that there's a, there's a massive social issue that we have to address here that, you know, people aren't their best selves at work. And, um, and, and as you think about that, you know, hopefully that means that when people reach that sense of fulfillment, they um, do become better members of society. Wow. And so um, that kind of intrinsic need and appreciation has now turned into an actual vocation and, and, and doing something about it. Do you want to tell us the story of how, how you found yourself and where you are at the moment? Yeah. So, um, so my journey led me actually to work at Google. And it, and it was funny because I signed up to work at Google because I thought, you know, if, if, if I'm an entrepreneur and I want to work in a stable environment, um, the, the happiest place on earth for work must be Google. 
And I knew it, you know, you free, 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 you know, bikes and lunches and beanbag chairs and slides. It sounds really fun. Um, so I, I got to Google and, you know, a couple of years in, um, I found myself largely unfulfilled and, um, and, and a mentor sat me down and really, really awakened in me that our pursuit of purpose every day isn't just something that lands in our lap. It's a choice. It's a choice that we make a conscious choice to, to be fulfilled or not fulfilled. And we can't just be victims wherever we are. We have to, we have to ask ourselves, what is my purpose? What gives me purpose? And then, and then seek it out, you know? And it was for the, it was the first time ever that I, I, I made the connection. I know happy startup school really helps people think about this, that, um, being an entrepreneur is not, uh, an activity. It's a mindset. Um, and in our jobs every day, when we're unfulfilled, we have this crossroads where we find ourselves. We're either going to be a victim or we're going to make a change. And that change could be literally switching jobs. It could be making our job better. It could be shifting our entire narrative and story about our work and why it matters. And I realized at that juncture that I had had these two worlds, this like the evil corporate world and the entrepreneurial world. And I, and I created this polarization of where, to find, where I would find purpose and where I wouldn't. And um, this, this mentor woke me up in, in, to realize that in making that conscious choice every day, we, we control our own well-being. And so uh, literally the next day, I began to sort of creatively look at this job and ask, what are the ways that I can gain greater meaning from this work? What are the ways that I can make this work more fulfilling? Um, that also took being quite self-reflective and asking myself what actually matters to me. And over the next year, um, this work I was doing just transformed and it was mostly an attitude shift, but the work that I was doing all of a sudden found much greater ways to make an impact, found greater ways to build community, found greater ways to grow. Um, the, the work that I was doing a year later felt enormously different and it was all that switch, that choice, that conscious choice. So I actually left Google at that juncture, you know, realizing that and also looking at the rest of the workforce to your point and realizing the average person doesn't feel that way. The average person doesn't feel in control of their well-being, feels like they're a victim of their work. Um, this, this is what we can change. And so I was introduced to a, a gentleman named Aaron Hurst who founded an organization called Taproot. Um, Aaron was basically the father of pro bono, the pro bono service movement and um, built the very first marketplace where if you were a skilled uh, professional and you wanted to make a difference in the community, Taproot could take your great skill sets and connect you to local causes fundraising for your skills. Built the very first marketplace and Taproot did not pay people, did not promise them a great sexy job title, but did say, if you do this work, you will find purpose. So when I met Aaron 15 years into his work at Taproot, he said, you know, I'm actually leaving this organization and I love it, but um, I've realized most professionals come and do volunteerism when they don't have fulfillment in their day jobs. We need to figure out how to help people find purpose at work every day. And as I was leaving Google, um, that was the same realization I had is I want to, I want to help awaken people at work. So we teamed up a very unconventional partnership. We didn't even know each other and we started a company together, right? Um, it was one of those very sort of spiritual aligning moments where you realize sometimes you, you, you don't, you, you don't need to know a lot about someone when you, when you know that they share your values, right? Cool. Well, so it, it was very much, a, one of those serendipitous, but, uh, sliding doors moments. If, if Yeah. And it's opened up a whole new new world. So, um, there. I think from a uh, an employee's perspective, it sounds you know super useful to to find. Well, I would say that super useful to find. You know that that spark, that the thing that gets you really fired up about your work. How have you found it? Uh, trying to explain that to businesses. So what's interesting about explaining this to businesses is there are sort of two conversations. Uh, that, that happen here. One is, um, of course, we're purpose-driven. Uh, we want our people to feel connected to purpose. How can we do that? And the other, the other question to be, you know, uh, very general here is, is um, what, why does purpose matter? And when it's the first conversation, you're usually talking to a pretty purpose-driven leader who doesn't need to be convinced about purpose, is more just interested in, you know, how do I activate my people around it? Um, and that's a very different conversation than the individual who doesn't even understand why there is a business case behind purpose. So 
we tend to work with people at that first conversation. Um, this is, this is a, so Imperative is a, is a talent uh, platform that helps individuals, um, teams, and leaders uncover what actually gives them purpose at work and then find meaningful creative ways to bring fulfillment and meaning uh, alive in their daily work. And um, we, we work with usually very purpose-driven or progressive organizations that um, believe that you know, their people connecting to purpose at work is, is, a, is a critical part of how they'll do business. And so businesses, uh, so I guess, Carlos, to your question, uh, two very different reactions. Um, and a lot of it has to do with sort of how progressive those organizations are. But the ones that are, I would say, quite purpose-driven are, uh, you know, excited and embracing the work, right? Hmm. Uh, so something that I hear, I'm not sure if this is the right thing, but the businesses that are short-termist and just looking for the quick fix aren't really the ones who are going to buy into this. These are the ones who are looking for the long, uh, the long term. That's right. That's right. I mean, this isn't a short term, uh, one and done, you know, send a, send a link around and everyone's happy. It's, um, it is a, um, it's, it's a marathon and not a sprint as we say. Right. Mm. So, um, our, um, you know, our partners are in, in multiple year, uh, journeys of this work. They're, they're typically, um, you know, embedding purpose-driven experiences in, in different stages of their talent life cycle. They're, um, changing the way that they communicate internally around it. They're, they're taking the time to have leaders on their teams reflect on what purpose means to them personally. So you're seeing a, a quite a wide scale awakening and it, it's not a, it's not a short term effort at all. It's a pretty, it's almost like, you know, as, as an organization, you're deciding where, you know, purpose sort of changes everything. And when organizations go down that route, they, they realize that, that it's, it's, um, it indeed is uh, it's not a flavor of the month, right? Yeah, totally. And it's something that we've discovered through the happy startup school and working entrepreneurs with entrepreneurs and trying to get them to, to discover that what is that purpose other than making money. And so the next question is really around what have you found or what have you experienced challenges with people, people face when trying to find that, that purpose? And is there a pattern that you see with when people try and work that out? Hello. Uh, sorry, sorry, Carlos. You cut out just for a second. There might have been my my. Can you just ask the very last part of that question? It was uh, is around um, when you work with people and when imperative works with people trying to find their purpose. Uh, is there like a common stumbling block that you find people face, or some you know the, a, a key challenge that they first have to overcome? Yes. So there are there are three myths we write about in our work uh, that typically are the common misconceptions of purpose. The first myth is the only way for me to find purpose is by engaging in some sort of form of philanthropy. Um, we've oftentimes taught people that, um, you know, purpose is, is linked to some cause. It's not. Um, anyone in any job can find a sense of meaning and fulfillment. Um, the second is purpose is a revelation. So if I, you know, accompany Julia Roberts on an eat, pray, love retreat to Bali, I'll finally find my purpose, right? Or if I go to grad school, I'll find it. I'll get a by lightning and figure out my purpose. Um, and the third is that purpose, actually funny enough, um, that purpose is luxury. And I meet a lot of leaders, especially who believe um, certain roles like hospital janitors, there's no way that they could find purpose. Um, they must only do this work because they have to. There's no way that they actually find fulfillment in that work. Um, and I have countless really inspiring stories of people in the least assuming jobs who have a great deal of meaning and create significant change and value in the work that they do. So those, those, those myths, um, revelation, cause, luxury, um, sort of suggest that purpose is only possible for certain people in certain situations. Instead, if we sort of flip those myths on their head, um, anyone in any job, in any role, at any level, with any amount of money can find a sense of fulfillment and meaning. And the best example of all of this is, you know, Viktor Frankl in, in A Man's Search for Meaning, his book who wrote that purpose is what got him through the Holocaust. Um, so you look at, you know, the fact that a person in a concentration camp could have a sense of meaning and find a sense of fulfillment. Um, it just gives us so much agency to find purpose anywhere, you know, um, especially when you're in an, a purpose-driven organization that really believes in you and cares about you. Um, 
and those are typically the, the types of places where we where we work. Um, so it makes me feel like we, we're doing the easy work. <laughs> when someone is finding purpose in a concentration camp, wow, it makes our jobs seem quite uh, quite quite cushy, right? Yeah. No, I, and I think there is what I hear there is it is attainable. Uh, the, that seventy percent of the workforce that feel like life just happens to them just yeah. haven't been woken up to the fact that actually it, it isn't something that people will give you something that you'll you'll find yourself is that the underlying message there that is that that's exactly right and um you know with that um we we, we also have to find the, the the creative community and the people around us and any organizations that will embrace it because people who typically feel like they are victims um you know will will they're in, they're in environments that are largely like based in fear, you know? Um, and I think that's something I also had to realize, you know, I, I've, I've been blessed to have amazing people in my life, like my mother, who always told me that, you know, you express yourself at work and you help people. But in, 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 you know, places where people don't believe purpose is possible at work, it's largely because they've had a fearful, tumultuous relationship to their jobs. And um, work hasn't been a source of of, uh, of, of self-actualization, it's been largely a chore. Um, so so to, to, sh to shift someone's perception of that is, is difficult. You know, I think that's, that's why um, culture is so important because you know, when, when someone walks into a welcoming culture that's empowering them to be themselves, it's a very different situation than a fear-based uh, environment, right? No, totally, no, exactly. If, it's, um, if, you don't, if you don't have the freedom to be yourself, then how can you find that thing that is you, that is your purpose? That's exactly right. Yeah. Um, so as an, as an owner of a, an organization or a founder or, or a manager who feels, who buys into this, but they, they haven't really taken the first steps to trying to create a more purposeful um, culture, shall we put it, within their organization, would you suggest any like first steps, some easy ways to start thinking about this and bringing that into the workplace? So a couple, you know, easy steps. Um, for one, um, it, it, it the organization itself doesn't have to be curing cancer to be empowering its people to have meaning in their jobs. I think that was one, you know, I've I've worked with every type of organization from tax accounting firms to uh, an aluminum company, you know, uh, actually multiple aluminum companies where you 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 wouldn't look at this industry and say, wow, how purpose driven. It's not like it's you know, healthcare or, or, you know, uh, or building schools in Africa, you know, you see some of, some of these organizations that do, uh, do normal work. And um, sometimes I think feel like, well, we, unless we're purpose driven, and we have some cause or some some crazy mission in the community, there's no way anyone would ever have meaning. And in fact, what we find is people's um, meaning comes from their experiences with their, their colleagues, it comes from their, their story of why their work matters, which could be just that we do high quality work, right? We get things done. Um, we, we deliver on time. We, we fulfill our promises. Um, uh, and, and it comes from people's growth and their development. And when you start to see that, first of all, I think um, an organization just simply starting by saying, we believe everyone should be fulfilled at work. That actually is part of our value proposition as, a, as an organization to you know, communicate that we want you to be fulfilled and we want to give you the space to ask what matters to you. And we want you to feel empowered to bring that to life here. And that is in part, you know, a, it's a partnership. If you're not fulfilled, like I was at a certain point in Google, that's not only our fault, that's a, that's a shared responsibility. So I think actually just up front, um, not making massive changes, but just communicating that, that philosophy that we are, we purpose matters to us. Your fulfillment matters it's a partnership between both of us and we, we want you as employees to share with us ways that we bring your purpose to life here. Um, that's a very different conversation than we have all these programs we're rolling out for your purpose. You know, um, it, it makes it more of a, a, a shared development experience, right? A shared, a shared effort. No, that makes sense to me. And, and, and it, the, the word, um, this brings to mind now is, is authenticity and yeah. the, 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 the leaders being authentically interested in this. Yeah. And in authentically exactly interested right. in their employees, actually. That's exactly right. Um, and, and, 
And I think that's a, that's a shift in, in, in organizational culture. You know, years ago, 50 years ago or plus, you know, we had cultures in, in the corporate world where, you know, if, if, you, uh, if, if you didn't, you know, feel connected to your organization and you weren't there for life, um, you would switch jobs and, and, you know, at this point you would say, look, it's, it's the organization's fault. We're moving to a time where we have radical candor. We have the ability for people to speak their minds. Um, and organizations are not more than their people. The average corporation doesn't outlive the average lifespan of a, of a human being. So we see that this, uh, there's a whole new human-centered movement in work that I think organizations, corporations are waking up to, you know, um, and it is changing everything. That's great. Well, what I'd like to do is just take a little break there, A, to um, remind the people watching, if you want to take the imperative test and find that uh, your purpose profile, then please uh, go into Twitter uh, and send the message to at Arthur Woods. Uh, he'll need your email address and then he'll be able to invite you onto the platform. Uh, in the meantime as well, it'd be nice to find, a bit, find out a bit more about all of you out there. So uh, I'm just going to share a poll with you all. Uh, just uh, give you a couple of minutes, um, maybe a minute, just to answer uh, which of those words describe you best. Uh, and then also would like to find out how you found out about this webinar. Where, where did you come from? Just to, to get a feel for um, yeah, how, how, how you discover the Happy Startup School and what we do. So let's see, we've got lots of wannapreneurs. Ooh, that's interesting. Love it. We have lots of people on our newsletter. Good. Ooh, consultants as well. Uh, the wannapreneurs are still winning. <laughs> This is very exciting. And in the meantime, if you voted already, get onto Twitter, send a message to Arthur. Wannapreneur still on the case. Great. I'll give you another 10 seconds for that vote. Brilliant. Great. Excellent. Well, the Wannapreneurs win and uh, lots of newsletter people. <laughs> lots of newsletter people. Great. <laughs> Cool. Okay. Um, going back, actually, let me um, close that down. So, picking up from where we just left off, um, I think it, it, the messages I got around this is uh, purpose is, is not just doing things that only social entrepreneurs do or charities right. do. Um, it's also, uh, you can't just, as Lawrence uh, was going to ask a question about, you can't just purpose wash a business and do the programs and, and have the statements to say we're purposeful unless without being really authentic about it. And, and authentically purposeful, it feels like it's about the founders, the managers really caring about who they work with and who works for them. And it sounds like it's, a, it's an evolution of how we how business structures work. It is, it is. And, and you know, um, very aligned to the way you guys think of, of all of this, I know in, in your program, um, you know, the idea of an individual coming to work every day and, and, and making money and being fulfilled is very parallel to this idea that business is about more than just making money, right? Um, we believe that this transformation we undergo at work as individuals needs to mimic that soulful transformation that an organization undergoes to say our like success here is about our ability to make a difference and and do well to do well and do good and um, people should not have to choose between being fulfilled and being stable that's a choice that most people every day have to make and most people choose uh, being stable um, what i love about the entrepreneurs and entrepreneurs slash consultants um, is um, to be an entrepreneur or a entrepreneur, you're um, making a conscious decision to do what you believe in. Um, the world needs more of that. Um, the world needs more people who are entrepreneurial at doing what they believe in, even in their day jobs, if they're not starting their own organizations. I think one thing I would, I would you know, throw out there is, you know, coming out of entrepreneurship and, and working with a number of, of, of you know, aspiring entrepreneurs, um, I oftentimes found that we only believed the, the way that we would find purpose is by starting an organization. 
I think the world needs many more organizations. The world has so many needs. Um, and entrepreneurship is, I think, one of the best ways to meet those needs. Um, I also know, and Carlos, you can speak to this way more articulately than I can, that um, you know, there, are, there are people who, who um, won't thrive in a startup environment. Some people actually thrive with greater stability and greater structure. You know, and, and as an entrepreneur, sometimes you have none of that. <laughs> um, does that mean you can't be fulfilled? No, it means find out what gives you purpose and maybe it is a more structured environment, but you can be entrepreneurial in that environment, you know? So I think actually the, this, this, this platitude of choice we have um, to find purpose wherever we are, whether it is starting our own organization or whether it's being entrepreneurial or what, what I consider to be entrepreneurial inside of an organization, that's equally empowering. And I've, some of the most inspiring people I've met have, have stayed in the corporate world or stayed in the government and done extraordinary things to be entrepreneurial there by living their purpose, you know? So I think that it gives us a lot of, you know, a lot of leeway to be creative and make a difference wherever we are. So I remember what you said uh, towards the beginning of this webinar. Um, and it, I think this is where this comes in again is it's really about self-knowledge and understanding how you thrive and where you thrive. Uh, and why I heard you say is like some of us don't like uncertainty, but see the uncertainty and the challenges of running a business where, you know, like with us, we don't know what's going to happen next week, next month, next year. It's, it's, it's all up for grabs and being comfortable with that is key to that ability to, to lead an entrepreneurial or lead a life where you are running a business. But if you have that knowledge of self that actually you thrive much better within within a structure but and you're comfortable with that and in that you know the things that you love doing and the ways that you can contribute then that's still purposeful without having to lead people is that fair enough? that that is exactly right that is exactly right i mean i think you said that beautifully and um you know we part part of the the, the learning for us has been that um purpose has had this dark side of um baggage <laughs> And, and, I, and, I, and I really do hear a number of people say the only way for me to find purpose besides find my cause or be a millennial or, you know, go on a revelation with Julia Roberts to, to Bali, you know, um, is, is also the only way to find my purpose is to start a company. Um, so I, I hear these, these myths come up. And so I actually think we should just, we should leave this conversation just with so much more choice um, that you know, if we think of our purpose, if we reframe it as less, what is my current op occupation, but instead, what is my North Star? For me, I can tell you, and you'll see this from the purpose profile, um, I, I've, as I've reflected, I've realized the greatest impact I can make is in an organizational and a team level. It's, it's sort of that collective scale. Um, I've realized some of my core values always about unearthing new progress and creating new potential. And the approach that I've always taken when I'm at my best has always been about community building. And what's really interesting is I, as I land on those insights is that is just as present today as it is in 10 years. Um, so I could actually be in a corporation again, and I could be in a whole different industry uh, in a different time zone. And that North star is still just as relevant. And so when we answer the question of our purpose, um, it's very freeing to think I bring that with me wherever I go whatever industry I, I work in, whatever I'm doing. And I love this idea that as entrepreneurs or entrepreneurs, whatever we call ourselves, we take a tour of duty. And maybe it isn't always that we are running our own organization. Maybe we're creating value inside of an organization. Um, so I'm a firm believer in your, you know, finding that North Star, but then being empowered to say, I can take that anywhere. And I can, I can, I can you know, run that tour of duty um, and, and create a whole mosaic of experiences that aren't just you know, one thing or another. No, I like that. I like the fact that it, once you've identified it, you, you, can, you can use it wherever you are. I think there's another question that, that related to that, because it feels with yourself, you, you found that clarity quite early. There's sometimes I've experienced with some people, there's a pressure to find what that purpose is and, and a need to, to find it right now or yesterday. And, and they see other people living the lives that they want to you know, living the authentic lives that they wish they could live. And then that becoming a barrier to finding their purpose. Would you, is there something you could say around actually, this isn't something that you can just fix straight away? Yeah. I, I, you know, I would, I would say this is largely sort of what, what happens with this revelation issue is, 
people tend to, you know, believe I, I have a deadline by which I find it. Um, and, oh, and by the way, my best friend figured out what they're going to do. And I really like them. We get along. I must do that too. You know, um, this is very much an individual journey. Um, and it's, and it's one that we can, we can have in a community of supportive people, but I, 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 that shouldn't eclipse, you know, our own timeline. And the way that we think of discovering your purpose is, um, every day when you reflect and you experience new things, you, um, you peel back another layer on the onion. Um, and you know, finding your North star is that continuous discovery process makes it so that there isn't a deadline by which you do it. There isn't, uh, a, a right route to do it. Um, you're not going to just talk to the right person and, and, and get struck by lightning and figure it out. It'll be, you know, I, I feel like I'm still articulating my North star, um, and, and uncovering what, what it means to me. Um, uh, now years and years into this thought process, you know, it's still, it's still a continuous journey and, and discovery process. So, um, I think also we should, we should give ourselves patience, you know, <laughs> Um, we tend to want to answer these are these are important questions they matter and, and we want we want to have good answers to them but um, those answers won't happen overnight you know things like our purpose profile you'll see um, will be it'll give you a pretty robust set of insights something you could it's a launch pad like a great great way to start you know um, hopefully it's questions that accelerate your discovery of this but it's still early early foundational uh, you know uh, parts of of your journey that's great. I, 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 well, it sounds essentially, it isn't about finding the answers straight away. It's just making sure you're always asking questions and yeah. always making sure you're checking on yourself and this is, and, and you're not, you don't settle. Maybe. That's exactly right. That's exactly right. Um, so uh, I'm going to end off with uh, maybe a bit more of a, I call it a crunchy question. Yeah. A more challenging one, uh, particularly given how we're looking at this transition of how businesses work. And it's this whole thing of balancing money and meaning. Mm. Um, we all need to create sustainable businesses, but at the same time, uh, we've come out, of, well, we're, we're coming out of, I hope, this era where it's all about the bottom line yeah. and profit is about squeezing the margins. Um, when you are a small business or, or even a large business and you you are having to make these decisions that are to do with financial decisions, but also the well-being of your 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 employees and your own well-being. It can yeah. be quite challenging. And given your experience and 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 the people and the companies that you've been in touch with, ha have you seen anyone tackle this in a particular way that you thought was was quite good, or have you heard of challenges where even if there wasn't a fix that you identified was was something to look out for? Yeah, you know, the, 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 the idea of money is, is the elephant in the room around purpose. And I think it's, <clears throat> there's oftentimes uh, uh, a dark side of this conversation, which is, um, you know, first of all, Arthur, are you proposing that um, if, if we have, if everyone has purpose, they don't need to be paid. So maybe we, we can just erase all commercial need, you know, um, or, you know, if we are, if we make enough money, maybe one day we can then worry about purpose. And that kind of gets to the luxury piece a little bit. Um, so both ends of that very dangerous conversation and, and you know, to, to honestly meet in the middle, there are a few things to note. One is um, we are of the, of the belief that um, purpose versus money is not an either or, it's a both and. Um, if someone has purpose, <clears throat> they also could have a, a complete lack of financial stability that doesn't disintegrate their need for purpose. It doesn't um, increase the need. They're, they're, they're separate needs and they both are great needs. You know, um, We've created a, a culture of work that is basically such that um, we pay you and we promise you promotions for your work. Uh, purpose isn't in that, in that discussion, right? So we tend to gloss right over sort of the, the purpose uh, piece and go straight to paycheck and promotion. Um, so what, what I would say is um, organizations should be clear of their purpose and do their best to sustain themselves and make money. Individuals should not forego their financial well-being and uh, personal stability in pursuit of their purpose. They, they should pursue both. Um, and entrepreneurship, social entrepreneurship is actually just that, you know, 
it's finding a way to create a, a, an economically viable approach to creating social value, right? Um, and typically we sort of feel like we have to do one or the other, you know, social entrepreneurship says, no, you can actually do both. Um, and in doing both, it's actually better for you and it's better for the world. Um, and, and it, and it is the better way to run a business. So, um, so that's the, that's the relationship. And again, money, yeah, money's kind of like the, uh, it's, it's sort of like the, the challenging, you know, questionable aspect of all of this. And, um, we just, we just kind of come out and say, no, it's, it's not a, not saying we should skirt away from, we shouldn't, you know, forget money. Um, it's just so much of the, the workplace has been built around it. We, we, there's more we can, we can speak to. There's, um, it feels like there's our relationship to money and what it means to us seems to be key to this and, and how we perceive money, whether it's tied to our status or we have a feeling it's a scarce resource, then influences how we act around it. And in that case, how we work to attain yeah. it and the work we do. That's exactly right. It's, um, that's exactly right. And that's again, a deeper question for some people when they really start getting into this from, um, there are lots of, I think, books and podcasts about how to make lots of money, but it feels like it's when you don't care about it, then you are much more free <laughs> to, to make it. I, I completely believe that as well. And, you know, it's, it's, it's amazing how um, there still is so much more we need to do to ensure that people, you know, have the ability to not care, not, not think about it, but you're right. It, it typically is um, not, not a very generative aspect of what we do every day. So, um, you know, I, I, I would, I would love a world one day where money is less of a, a, an obstacle, but I think right now it's still, it still is something that's top of mind for people. That Star Trek generation will soon come. I know, I know. That's right. <laughs> okay. Well, um, we have some questions, actually. Quite a number of questions. So I thought we'd um, move on to those and, and get answer some of the, the queries that we have come through from, from the viewers. So let's... Um, uh, this is a quick one because we may have answered this already. And it's, it's uh, Mark Rowland. He's asked, what have you found is the best technique to figure out what your purpose is? So maybe it's just covering what you just said before, or if there's anything else that springs up for you. Well, I, I, think, I think you're going to find that, um, that the, the purpose profile is a pretty strong, uh, it's, it's, it's a pretty strong upfront sort of discovery experience to, to answer that question, what is my purpose? You're going to see this gives you a 27-page uh, uh, pr uh, profile of your results. It takes you about 10 minutes to get. Um, so see, see that. I, I think that's going to be a really strong uh, starting point for you for sure. Brilliant. Uh, I've done it and it, it kind of is, is spookily accurate. So <laughs> definitely worth, worth doing as long as you answer honestly, of course. You yes. Honestly. You have to answer honestly. Right. So I think this is more of a, a, um, a clarity startup question. This is Robert Olmsted. He's, he's actually part of our community. He's doing the homeschool at the moment. And he asks, on the way up, before you had this lovely well-packaged elevator speech, what advice do you have for us as we try and find that sweet spot? So how do we com communicating what we really do and what we want yeah. to do? Yeah, it's a great question. So I, you know, um, first of all, I would just say that the more you can take advantage of speaking to people, meeting with people, um, speaking to audiences, to share your idea, the, the more second nature this will become. Uh, in, in early days, I was quite nervous about describing any of this, and now it's just it's just who I am. It's just like talking about what I what I what I do every day and and what I care about, and it, it doesn't feel like it's a um, doesn't actually feel like a pitch. So I think the moment you you don't feel like you're pitching or you're you're just speaking from the heart, that's when you know you've kind of you know crossed that chasm. But I would say for one, um, you know, surround yourself with people who will be really honest, um, who know you well, who know what you stand for and um, have them be your early audience, um, you know, solicit their feedback, um, you know, figure out sort of what doesn't make sense. And I think if you just continue to look at every conversation as another data point, another sort of another opportunity to, to improve the way you're describing what you do and don't ever feel like you, you have a, a one finished result, it's like, like your purpose, it's going to be constantly an evolving um, 
an evolving thing, an evolving narrative that, um, you know, will evolve as your idea evolves because inevitably your idea is not going to be in the exact same shape today that it was in years ago, right? I mean, our idea and our approach has, has changed significantly and, and that narrative around it kind of continues to evolve. So um, I would just, you know, again, give yourself patience, surround yourself with people who will be candid and share feedback and then, you know, constantly, you know, constantly look at what are ways I make it better. Brilliant. Thanks for that. And um, it's really a good opportunity for me to give a shameless plug because in two weeks time, I'm going to be doing a masterclass on how to pitch in a way so people love you. And it's, it's kind of talking to what um, Arthur was saying. Uh, there's a bit of empathic storytelling and also a kind of uncovering of values and, and, and a bit also the purpose bit. So Bob, watch, the, watch this space. We can work with you on that. You're in good hands with these guys. So that's a, that's a perfect opportunity. Okay. Um, we have Elizabeth. Uh, she's asked five questions here. So um, <laughs> uh, I'm going to try and, well, I'm going to pick the first one because the first one seems quite interesting. And that is, I'm, I'm reading these too. Yeah. At what point did you decide, right, this is enough research, enough of a good idea before taking action to put the program together? So, um, we had a pretty evolving uh, approach, which was we, we launched the company before we knew what we knew why we were launching a company. We didn't know what we would be doing. Um, and it was a very iterative approach. So it was a, it was a bizarre way of starting. I, if I had gone back in time, I would have said, you know, start, start something, you know, build an MVP, validate it, um, make it better. We sort of started with a mission and, to, and we were like a, a nail looking for a hammer <laughs> basically very unconventional way of, of, of starting. So um, there wasn't a juncture at which we said, okay, good, we have it. I think there were, there were junctures at which we said, wow, there is, here we've built something people will pay for um, that is making a difference, that's sustained, and that's fitting what we stand for. And that was the alignment where we said, okay, they're cool. We're like, we're now, we're hitting some repeatability, right? And that, that, was, that, was, an, that was an eye-opening experience to say, wow, okay, like here, this is, this is the repeatable version of what we can do, right? That's brilliant. It's um, so in in the kind of happy startup speak, there's there was this minimal lovable product, um, and it's always perfect is the enemy of done. So you need to get something out there to just test that these ideas work, and then wait for the traction and see where the traction is, and then iterate based on that traction. That's Whilst exactly right. That's exactly right. Perpetually in your head and never get yeah. anything done. Great. Okay. Um, I, uh, I'm going to pick another question from hers and then, and then we'll move on to the rest. Um, so let's try question three. Do you think the ability of companies to communicate their values affects the quality of job applicants they get? Absolutely. Absolutely. Without a doubt. Um, so in our research, uh, on top of the fact that, you know, two out of three people says they don't have purpose. The third that does, um, that says work is about uh, meaning and fulfillment and I come to work every day to, to help people. That third is the highest performing group by every measure. So the people on this webinar, you are, the, the message to you is you are ballers, you're awesome. Um, the fact that you're trying to align your values to the work that you do every day is, is unique and it is what makes you special. It's what makes work not just a transaction. And um, when you're looking for a job, and I just want you know, just put yourselves in the applicant's shoes here. When you've been applying for jobs, um, you ask yourself in a very fair way, what will it feel like to work here? Does this organization match my values? Do I believe I will be at my best when I'm here? Will I get to make a difference? Will I grow? Will I be really enjoying the community that I'm part of? These are questions that we ask. So an organization that states its, its, its mission and its values and its purpose um, up front in the talent brand and that, and that promise is being made directly results in more people signing up and saying, I want to, I want to be at a place like this. If I were to work anywhere, I want to be at a place like this. Um, and then the most important part the organizations need to do is not just make that promise in their job description, but deliver on it when people have the job. And that's the hard part, but that's <laughs> the necessary one. Brilliant. Thank you very much. Okay, we have uh, another six minutes left and we have a few more questions to go. Um, so there's a question here and I think you've covered already, but it might be nice to recap. It's from Kevin Rosario Johnson. 
Um, his is, when you go into organizations to work with them, how much do you work with individuals to find their own purpose in the work? And how much does the employer want to focus on the business's purpose? And does that create tension? Good question. So um, very specifically, we don't actually work with businesses um, in the process of, so we, we are, our, 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 our value proposition is not to help an organization find its purpose. There are great partners in the community that do that work um, that we work with. Um, there are, you know, in, in, in places like uh, the UK, you have Text 100, you have Bright House, you have a, a group called Carol Cohn on Purpose um, that, that does, helps organizations find their North Star. Um, they come to us when they say, we want our people to find their purpose. And we want the, our people to understand what our purpose means to them personally. So um, that, that's sort of the distinction. And um, we, we basically um, see a really strong partnership there. But that's an important message. You know, organizations need to find their purpose. Um, in our spirit of focus, that's not something that we particularly do. But we, we hope organizations will do it, right? Brilliant. Thank you very much for that. Um, the next question is from Michelle. Okay, what one piece of advice would you give a entrepreneur about the best way to attract money or funding into your social business? That's a great question. Um, entrepreneurs um, who, who are raising money for a social business um, uh, have, have their work cut out for them, but it's not impossible. So um, you know, when we were fundraising for imperative, we did, we did some angel investing rounds. Um, we, it was difficult at first because we had to, we were not trying to just be another conventional idea. We weren't just going out to Silicon Valley and, um, you know, saying we have a widget and we'll exit in three years and make everyone millions of dollars. We said, no, we want to create a social movement, you know, and that's not language that people are used to, um, pursuing. So the first thing I would say is don't falter in your investment in a social purpose because it is what makes you unique and you're going to be tempted at times to sort of gloss over that and say it's all about you know conventional metrics or just being a business that makes a bunch of money but you know that 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 your business is, is about more than that so i think stick to stick to your initial reason for doing this work right and don't falter even though the rest of the you know environment might feel like it's not as progressive um, because again that that is that is what truly sets you apart um, the second thing i would just say is there are mission aligned investors out there who um, believe wholeheartedly in making a difference doing good while doing well and they don't necessarily see that it has to be a choice and in fact what i would say is build into your story why the social purpose is a game-changing part of how the organization will make money don't make that an either or. Don't set it up as well. We're going to do all this. Oh, and by the way, on the side, we're going to make a difference. Even I have to say, Tom's shoes, where you know, have some models where they've said sort of like we do, we do, we do business and then we do good. Um, talk about how your business does business by doing good, and that how that is core. It's not just you give away some additional profits. It's that actually you, in the nature of your business, when you're making money, you are delivering social value. Um, make the case to investors that that is why the business will do well. That's on trend. That's what the world is demanding right now. Um, make the case that what you're doing is big for that reason, that, that increasingly people don't want to just go and pay and transact. They want to, they want to feel part of something bigger. You know, that's, that is the actual, I think the secret sauce of what makes you unique, but also I think where your opportunity lies. So if you can help people connect those dots, that narrative is no longer, you know, um, please do me a favor and, and, you know, donate some money to my, you know, my cause. It is, I have a new purpose-driven organization. Purpose is the future. You should join us because this is going to change the world and make, and make people money. Perfect. I like that answer. Join the dots, really, Michelle. Try and see how you can bring those things together and not just be one, one good over here, dirty business over there. Right. <laughs> Great. Um, Oh, Annabella has a question for you. So she says, if I listened correctly, you work mostly with organizations and individuals that are open to the idea of purpose, but then two thirds of all people are left out. Do you have the ambition or the ambition or an ambition to work with them in the future? And how would you go about that? 
So yeah, so, to be very clear, the, uh, the two thirds of the people that don't feel a sense of purpose are actually the very people we want to help, right? Um, so we believe that 100% of our workplace should feel connected to purpose at work. And um, there's a third that already does feel a sense of purpose at work, um, that, but they, they need to continue, have to continue to have experiences and resources that bring that alive every day. So the fact that two thirds of our workforce is unfulfilled is exactly for me what sort of gets me up in the morning is to say, how can we shift that? So we literally have said um, our 2030 goal is in, in the next 12 years that the majority of the workplace actually says they're fulfilled at their jobs every day. Um, so we have a lot of work, you know, we're currently at one third of the workforce fulfilled. We have to find a way to, to basically double that in the next two, uh, 12 years. So that's, that's the goal. Brilliant. Okay. All right. We'll just squeeze in one final question. Uh, <laughs> so anonymous one, would you mind sharing what your personal mission in life and purpose is? No way. That's way too personal. No, I'm kidding. Of course I will. Um, so, um, and, and, and I'll, and I'll, I'll share, I'll share the, my, my purpose profile, which you guys will all see when you, when you, um, get the invite from me here shortly. Um, so, so my purpose is to, um, help organizations and teams um, unearth the potential and value of their people by building strong community and building strong support networks. And um, so I'm, I'm big on this sort of organizational impact, unearthing value and unearthing potential and doing so by really building community. And, and that's currently, you know, translating to this, this work on purpose, you know, helping organizations really realize the potential of their people. Um, my approach has always been, you know, by building community. Um, and so again, I, I, that, that will make just as much sense in 10 years as it does today. When I look back at my earliest experiences where I've been most fulfilled, those three have also been present. So, um, you know, there are some, there are some creative ways you can, you can shorten this purpose statement that, that we'll, we'll show you, but you'll see that the one we give you is a, is a default is a good starting point. Fantastic. Thank you. And I think that, that, kind of encapsulates why you're on this webinar with me uh, it's super aligned your view of how things work and how, how what we're trying to achieve here at the happy startup school and i i am very grateful to have you on board um and to sharing your story and, and it feels like you've got people super engaged as as to what you're trying to do here and, and they're trying to work it out themselves and see how they can bring more purpose into their work is there anything you'd like to end on is there anything you'd like to share with everyone before we, we close off? So, you know, I, I would just say that, uh, again, this is the fact that you're on this webinar and you're, you're talking about this and thinking about this and you're thinking about the business you start or the way that you innovate in your organization is already really unique. Um, and just to stop and celebrate that, um, I would say, you know, being part of a community like this, like, like the one that Happy Startup School has created, um, is also what keeps this this work alive because you know you are um you know we're the average of the five people we spend the most time with so uh being part of a purpose-driven community is, is 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 unique in and of itself and i think just know that um the perspective you have um so many people actually haven't yet woken up to and i, I we tend to sort of believe that everyone sort of thinks the same way we do or that everyone maybe is as progressive as we are, we know that, you know, that's really not the case that this group, the group that's on this, this webinar today is really leading a new age that will inform the extent to which everyone in the workplace can be themselves and everyone in the workplace can feel a sense of purpose or businesses can indeed create social value. So thank you for your guys' leadership and for, you know, starting this journey in your own, in your own personal way, because, um, it's, it's creating the, the success that everyone else in the workplace can see and look up to. Thank you very much. That's great. Um, it's been a beautiful conversation. I, I really, I feel inspired and energized um, just hearing about what you guys do uh, and seeing the love that we're getting from the people on the, watching the call. Um, for those of you who've been watching, if you've liked what you've heard and seen, uh, please, share uh, what you've um, what you've experienced uh, whether it's on Twitter or on Facebook over, over in the social sphere just talk about please mention the happy startup school and imperative and what we've been discussing it's one way of just spreading this idea of that actually 
work isn't a, a rude four-letter word. It's it's not <laughs> it's a four-letter word. It's not the bad four-letter word. Yeah, <laughs> this should be something we we're, we're proud of and we get energy from. Yeah. Um, another thing is if you're um, if you're around in two weeks' time, we're running a masterclass. Uh, I will be offering a masterclass on how to pitch in a way that people love what you do. So um, watch this space if you're interested in hearing about that. I know Bob would be very interested in that. And I would just like to say and then thank you very much, Arthur, for, for an illuminating and energetic uh, and inspiring interview. Thank you, Carlos, for amazing hosting and, uh, and for all that you do to build a purpose-driven community. It's awesome. It's awesome stuff.